Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Hello, Community Cats podcast listeners. I just wanted to let you know that as of July, the Community Cats podcast is going to become a weekly podcast. We currently have recorded over 200 shows, and we have an incredible archive of information in these podcasts. If you haven't listened to them all, I recommend you do so. The Community Cats podcast has some great webinars and projects coming up in the fall, and you'll be the first to know about them. Thank you for being loyal listeners, and keep on sharing the show with others. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Kate Benjamin. Kate is the founder of House Panther the number one resource for living stylishly with cats. She's also the co-author with Jackson Galaxy of two New York Times best-selling books on environmental enrichment for cats, catification, and catify to satisfy. Kate has been involved with Cat Rescue and TNR for 10 years. Her experience led her to create House Panther as a resource to show people how they can design their homes to give their cats what they need to thrive while also accommodating their own sense of style. She believes that well-designed products and environments can help keep cats happy, thereby preventing behavior issues that might cause cat owners to declaw, put cats outside, or surrender them to a shelter. Kate, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to first ask you, how did you get started with your passion for cats and getting involved in animal welfare? Well, it's a kind of unusual series of events. I got to where I am today. I call myself a cat style expert, which isn't really a thing. I just needed a title to kind of explain how I've put together a really seemingly random series of experience and skills to do what I do. And so I started off in undergraduate school. I studied environmental design, and then I went to graduate school where I really worked in product development. After I graduated, um, after I got out of graduate school, I found myself working at a children's product company. This particular company made really beautiful, innovative products for children and their parents that really made their lives better, but they also looked great. And I kind of looked around at the industry, the children's product industry, and said, hey, you know, there's all this attention on creating things that you need to raise your children without having your house look like a daycare center. But I didn't have children. I had cats. So I said, nobody's doing this for the cat parents out there. Who is looking for really beautiful, great, well-designed furniture and products, all the things that you need? So I started searching around and I found a handful of companies and and then one night, 10 years ago, this is my 10-year anniversary, I started a blog and I started writing about these cool companies and these beautiful products that cats need, scratchers, litter boxes, things like that. And it really took off. It was very popular because it was something that people were looking for. No one else was looking at the world of design for cats in the way that I was. So I got a lot of press and it kind of grew and grew. And I had a few cats at the time who were rescues, but I hadn't really thought too much. I didn't really know that much about the really serious situation of 
feral cats and what's happening in the shelters. So as I started to grow this blog and just get really more and more involved in the community, then really my eyes were opened to this huge cat overpopulation problem. And that's when I had an aha moment where I sort of put together what I was doing, which was writing about well-designed products and environments. And I realized that these cats were on the street, they were in shelters, they were being killed, they were being declawed, and that this design could actually play a role in preventing that. And that was the big sort of changing point in the career where I said, wait a minute, okay, I'm not just writing about cool looking stuff. I'm writing about stuff that's going to make a difference in these cats' lives, in the lives of the people who care for them and love them and treat them as family members. And that was really a big moment for me. So I like to tell the story of, I used to get this email all the time from readers and when something like, well, I'm an architect or my husband's an architect and we have a cat, but everything is so ugly for cats. I can't have an ugly scratcher in my living room. And so the cat is scratching on the sofa. What should I do? So I always say, well, if I can show you that there is something out there that you are willing to put in your house and your cat will use it instead of your sofa, then there we go. We may have just saved that cat from being declawed or put outside or sent back to the shelter for behavior issues. All of a sudden, one day I uh, got an email from a reader with a link to a video for this new television show, My Cat from hell. (laughs) And I said, who is this guy? You know, this is great. This is amazing. This is bringing cat environment and behavior to the forefront. And it turned out Jackson had been reading my blog for years. And he said, Hey, I'd love to work with you. He got in touch with me and he, he said, you know, I really think we need to work together. And that was another big turning point where basically I had all this design background and I sort of instinctually knew that there could be that good design could make a difference in cats' lives, but I didn't have the behavior language that Jackson has. Once we put our forces together, it took his behavior and my design perspective. That's what created catification. And then that's where we got to where we are today, which is a whole new understanding of how well-designed environments and products can really make a difference. And now I can tell you the behavior side of it as well. I'm not a behaviorist. I'm not a vet. I'm basically a designer who has a lot of cats and has worked in rescue and TNR and has seen the problems that are out there. And I hope that what I do can really make a difference. That's great. I was a fledgling architect in my past life and urban planner. And so, you know, there's that whole, the form follows function, function follows form, question, trying to combine those two and find the perfect balance. So it it sounds great. And the other thing you didn't quite touch upon is the fact that you're altering cat's behavior, but you're also altering people's behavior by educating them on these different, on different alternatives and different options that you can have for cats in your home. Yes, that is such a huge piece of it because my perspective on design comes out of what's called a user-centered design theory. That's what my undergraduate, my graduate programs were based on. So that means you have to look at the needs of the user. You can't just have a designer sitting in an ivory tower saying, I know what you need here. Let me give it to you. You have to go out and get in the trenches and do observation and ethnographic research data to really get at these issues and how do you solve them. And in this case of pet products, you have two users. You have both the cat and the pet parent, right? So you have to, obviously, the human is going 
going to make the purchasing decision, but they have to really understand where their cat's coming from. And they have to understand how they're hardwired to see the world and what their natural instincts are, and then translate that information that they get into a purchase decision or something that they're going to build. What are they going to actually physically do in their environment or add in order to accommodate what they just learned about that cat? So something simple would be the fact that, you know, we have to, first of all, understand that cats need to scratch to mark their territory, both visually and with scent markers. But then you want to observe your cat in particular and say, well, does my cat seem to like to scratch on cardboard or carpet or sisal or wood? So material. And then do they scratch vertically or horizontally or do they like an angle? And once you've really paid attention, you have this information and that can help you buy just the right thing that will make everybody happy. Because if your cat won't use the new scratcher that you bought, you're going to be unhappy, right? Right, right. You'll say, oh, I just spent all of this money and I'm the one who's looking at it all the time and, and nothing's happening. But I, I also have to say, I mean, the it is great to see them when they get right into and start just ripping away at, at the item when you, when you get it too. So that's definitely fun when you see them engaging. And it is interesting to see one cat get all excited about a new piece and the other cat couldn't care less. Oh, it's so true. And yes, they're all different and they change over time or they have different moods. So that's why it's a constant sort of a workshop. I know my house is like a laboratory. I'm just constantly changing things and experimenting and trying new materials and new products and things like that. But there is nothing better than that moment when you install a new cat shelf or something and you open the door and the cats come in and they look and they just immediately know what to do. And they go up and they climb around and they settle in and you're like, yes, we nailed it. <laughs> Are you new to the Community Cats podcast? Don't know what to listen to first? Feel free to check out the listening module tab where we have grouped shows together by topic so you can listen to a bunch of shows around the same topic. Just click on the listening module tab at www.communitycatspodcast.com and enjoy learning about Community Cats. The Community Cats podcast will soon be a year old with over 200 episodes profiling amazing people who are all making a difference in the lives of community cats. If you would like to support the show but not be a sponsor, feel free to contribute to our efforts by going to www.communitycatspodcast.com and follow the donate link. Help us to continue to provide excellent programming. You know, it's, a, it's like a whole new world for them. Since we are on audio and your products obviously are beautiful visually, I'm on your website looking at some of the products and I think they're just absolutely fantastic. Could you maybe choose a couple of maybe your favorite products that you've helped design? So on housepanther.com, I write about all cat products from all across the world, things that I find, things people show me, and as well as things that I actually work on. So House Panther is meant to be your go-to resource for everything. And I will write about something even if it is in direct competition with something that I made and that I'm trying to sell. Because all I want is for people to have the very best information in one place, easy to find. Anything that's new, you better believe I'm going to put it up there right away. So I absolutely 
love working with companies that I feel have real heart and soul behind them. And for having done this for 10 years, I can identify almost immediately when a company was founded by people who are true cat lovers who live with cats. Those are a lot of the companies that I tend to write about a lot. I have their products in my home and I just will tell everybody how wonderful they are. One of the very first companies I wrote about was Hepper. Jed Crystal is the industrial designer who started that company. And it was way back in the day when there wasn't that much going on in the world of design for cats. And I was kind of searching around on the internet and I came across his website and I emailed him right away and said, Hey, I'd like to write about your stuff on my blog. And he said, Oh, we just launched our website a couple hours ago. (laughs) So maybe you could give me a day to get ready for that. And then we've been friends ever since. So he has the classic Hepper pod that's up on the little stilt legs and the wireframe. It's, I think it's a beautiful piece of design that caters to a cat's natural instincts to go into a small area for privacy, for comfort, for warmth, so that they can survey their surroundings from inside like a cocoon, what Jackson and I call it in the books. He has created a lot of wonderful products over the years. I've written about so many other small companies, like hand-making things, selling them on Etsy. And what I've seen happen, and this is exactly what I wanted to happen, is that the little guys have influenced the big pet manufacturers now, finally. So what I've done, because I've been doing these whole retrospectives, I've I've done a, a few talks recently because it's been 10 years about how this has all evolved, this world of design for cats. That is exactly what's happening is that all of these little guys, and in many cases, unfortunately, just because handcrafted things are at a premium at prices, a lot of people can't afford some of these high-end handcrafted things. But these bigger companies have the advantage of starting to create things that are more affordable. So Vesper, which is a line, and Catit, which is a line of beautiful cat trees, modern cat trees from Hagen. Sauter, Pet Home. Sauter is a big furniture manufacturing company that's been around for decades. And then a few years ago, they launched their pet product division. And I'm friends with the designer, and he is a real cat guy. And you can see it in his designs. They have some beautiful scratchers and towers and beds and things that are just beautiful and really functional and affordable. There have been so many. I mean, it's hard for me to identify. I can go category by category. I mean, when we talk about pet beds, I'm always looking for things that are extremely easy to wash and they're very durable and they look good. And Westpaw Design is another one of my favorite companies in that category. They just make bulletproof beds that look amazing. And I have a house full of this stuff that has lasted very well for many, many years. Yeah. Longevity is a very important question that we get when I was doing adoptions at the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. They would see various cat trees around and different types of apparatus. And some of the items that we had were more appropriate for sheltering environment, for disinfecting on a regular basis and that kind of thing. But other times, folks would be asking us questions, you know, how can we identify what would be durable and long-lasting? How can I ensure that this is going to last a long time? Yeah, and that is a really big issue now because the direction that design is going in 
there is a big difference between design of products environments for residential versus a shelter type situation. And one of the things that I'm starting to work more and more on now are consulting on cat cafes. And this is a concept that I am absolutely thrilled about. And I'm sure you've talked about cat cafes on your show. The idea of having a cage-free environment that's set up in a very comfortable way, that's inviting, that brings people in and puts the cats into an environment where they can absolutely shine, where their personalities come out. They're not scared. They're not fighting. They're not hiding in a cage. So this idea of open concept cat living quarters was started in shelters and has now moved into these cat cafes, which are kind of a crossover there. I mean, they really are shelters here in America. All the cat cafes are housing cats that are available for adoption, but some of them have fun programming around them like movie nights or paint and wine and cats. I've been seeing that difference between that need for extreme durability and sanitizing and daily cleaning in an environment like a cat cafe and a shelter and how much more rigorous that is than a lot of the products for home. And I really think that that is going to be a future trend in what we're going to see in some of these companies that manufacture and design products for cats. They're going to be creating things that are more durable because of this need that needs to be fulfilled from these cat cafes and things that are popping up everywhere. Yeah, I do want to touch more on the shelter consulting aspect of things, but I have a couple of follow-up questions with regards to just the personal user environment. A lot of folks have cats in a very small apartment situation and setting. You talked a little bit about litter box issues, and I think for the small apartment, that might be almost that and probably the cat scratching are probably the two key areas where design as well as usability are really, really important. Are there any specific tips that you might have, knowing that you're not a behaviorist, but any specific tips that you might have in that arena? Absolutely. And yes, those are the two biggest issues for any size home, but especially in a smaller home or an apartment. So I am always looking for things that are multifunctional. So say a litter hider that is also doubling as some sort of a storage unit or a side table, something that gets you double duty and looks good, but also has to meet all of the cat's requirements, which is about size and ventilation, and they have to have easy access to a hidden litter box. And a hidden litter box is definitely not for every cat. This is something that Jackson and I fight about a lot. Mm -hmm. And we have an entire chapter in our second book dedicated to what you have to think about from a user's perspective around the litter box. And again, I take it back to it's both users, the cat and the human, because if that litter box isn't easy to reach, easy to clean, everything you need is nearby. And you know, you have to like the way it looks. You have to live with it. You're going to resent it every time you walk by it. There's a lot that goes into designing a litter box area and it might not necessarily be a litter hider, but if it can have some sort of multifunction to it, and be aesthetically pleasing. That's always great. And then scratchers, I've seen a few really interesting designs lately that have the ability to change out the scratching surface without having to throw the entire thing away and buy a whole new one. Plus, you can get different types of scratching surfaces to try on the same scratcher. That is a function that I love. And if you're talking about space saving for scratchers, I am a huge fan of wall-mounted scratchers. So it does require putting some holes in the wall. So sometimes if you're renting, that's a little risky. But wall-mounted scratchers 
serve a number of purposes. They're incredibly sturdy because they're attached to the wall and you can adjust the height because some cats like to scratch down low and some like to stretch up really high and get a good stretch in when they scratch. So you can adjust the height. It's super sturdy and it takes up no floor space. Sometimes you can make a little art display. Like we have several DIYs in the second book that show some really fun ways to DIY a wall mounted scratcher that almost looks like a, you know, piece of art hanging there, but you've got it down low and the cat can just walk by. So there's so many creative ways to do all of this. You don't have to go out and buy something. You can absolutely make a lot of this if you have that creative streak in a little bit of time. Please tune in next week for part two of my interview with Kate Benjamin of House Panther. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 